Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on cyberaid.it using the discount code podcast. Welcome back to part two of our discussion with Josh Lospinoso. In this episode, we will be continuing our discussion on encryption and backdoors. Hey, hey, uh, favorite tool, offensive or defensive that you can talk about? Or, hmm, that's yeah, a really good question. Your donut thing, your dough. Yeah, um, I, I would have to say, um, like, there's a collection of like reverse engineering tools, tools that are super useful for like analyzing operational technology. Um, so right now, it's a software-defined radio um, with GNU Radio, hmm. um, a Ramsey box, these like RF enclosures, uh, and Wireshark. You can find some really interesting things going over LTE from mm. like consumer devices. Um, there's one that actually recently came out uh, about the Ring video doorbell. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we were talking about on these tiny devices, like computers are getting really powerful, but there's still limitations to what a 5 or $10 chip can do. And so oftentimes, um, kind of tying this all together, like when one of these devices reaches out to a web server, uh, they'll do it over TLS because that's fairly straightforward to do these days with the tools that are available. The problem is they won't check the certificates. Yeah. Um, cause it, math, right. Right. Uh, it's like, it's like hard to, <laughs> wait, why are you pointing at me? It's, it's, it's hard to compute that. On it's hard to compute that, that, that on a teensy little computer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you could pre-compute it and save it. But then well, I feel like there's what happens no, when there's it changes? No vector oh, and right. there. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, the expe- expiration date's in 999 years. So right. like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you'd good. be surprised how many people do that kind of stuff. Right. right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. To, so the way like, is that what ring doorbell did? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they actually just were not checking for TLS certificate authority, um, validation. So you could just curl dash K and be good. So what you could do is like, you can enforce a D off with the doorbell, like various ways. And like, someone's gonna be like, what the hell my like doorbell isn't working anymore. I have to like re-authenticate it. And so if you man in the middle of that connection, which if you have their Wi-Fi password or whatever, that's, that's not hard to do. Or actually I think the one, I think it's even worse. The, the, the Wi-Fi connection between the doorbell and the, the phone was just like totally unencrypted. Um, you can just sniff those packets cause it's Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. And like you get their like Wi-Fi password, you can do all kinds of right, right. Because right, in, in order for me to configure the IoT, I, yeah. I always, whenever I'm configuring some sort of IoT device, I always feel like this is the point at which if somebody yep. is there a van outside my house, yep. and this is the point at which they're going to get access to whatever it is. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I remember like I was doing a a hardware startup in in Korea, and we were using Nest thermostats, yeah. but like none of that stuff was encrypted. Well, I mean, I guess it was. No, I don't even think it was encrypted. Like it was just because it was like, oh, you, well, you're on the Wi-Fi, must yeah. be secure. Right, right. Again, and I could just thing. make calls to the thermostat. Right, exactly. And so like we were using that as a thermostat so we didn't have to make our own. And we were just saying like, no, adjust the temperature, Nest, adjust the temperature. Right. I mean, I think that's the yep. lesson, right? Like, so, hey, we already made this mistake with cars. We yep. have this hard outer shell yep. and then this CAN bus, right? 
smart houses, I feel like are going down the exact same path. They We're sure just right are. because, yep. hey, and, and it's even worse because at least a car is mostly a closed system by the manufacturer's standpoint, right. right? They they built all the things. They should be able to know every device and be able to know like, yeah, that is actually our device that's talking on that, right? With a smart It also house. takes like a certain level of skill well, right, right. to sure. like do things with sure. a car the, these but, days. Right. But the bigger difference is, right, with a house, people, the whole point of it is that you're adding more and more things like, oh, hey, now I can get a smart vent that will close this or do that. And you've yep. had to, it's, the whole point is extensibility, interoperability. Yep. And yep. so how do you even, how do you make sure that like the owner of the house is saying like, oh yeah, we've authentic, I, I'm confirming that this is, this device right. is is something that should be here. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like, again, to the eggshell security, like we, we have home routers now that kind of nat all your devices right. behind them. And so there's some level of like, well, you can't access this stuff from the outside. Except for mm. the fact that it's all Wi-Fi. Except and you, you totally, can pick that yep. from way far away. When they yeah, all phone home. Yep. And right. they all phone home. And they all phone home. And right. a lot of those connections are not secured. And like, you know, who the heck knows what's on the firmware on a lot of these devices. It's, yeah, it's a, I completely agree with you. So when I lock myself out, I can give you a call to open my garage door. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> there's a really interesting talk about how insecure garage doors are. Um, right. <laughs> uh, so like, uh, there's this guy, Sammy Camcar. Have you ever seen some of the stuff he does? I, he's, he's the guy behind the uh, Sammy worm on MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, yeah. Um, I think he caught like a felony for that. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll neither here nor there. Um, uh, anyway, he's doing some really fascinating stuff in the like RF space mm-hmm. and um, basically most modern garage door openers, you can just like crack the code in like eight seconds. Yeah. Right. I mean the fact. And that that's the advanced ones that do the, the cycling of codes. Cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my dad's like the original OG security guy for garage door hacking. So he, uh, when, when they built their house, he put a power switch right next to the garage door opener so that when he goes to bed at night, he turns off power to the actual wow. garage door arm. So nobody can be that's scanning codes. When I go on vacation or when I, if I'm going to be gone for, I just unplug it. Oh yeah. That's what yeah. we used to do. But yeah. then when we built the house, it's he was like, yeah, I'm tired of getting up and unplugging <laughs> it or taking that like lever and like yeah, sliding it in. Yeah, but, but it's like, it's an aluminum track. Right, so like, right, 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 the, right. The, right. I do the lever and I was like, I feel like I should do more. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that like motor up there, like when you stop that motor, that's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, your like, other option, yeah. I mean, and one of the, actually people probably don't realize this. One of the easiest, like the physical attacks, right? So there's an emergency pull handle yep. on a garage to disable, to disengage the, the, the you break the window the and right so you just go through and you pull you can you can hook that from you can slide a thing under the door yeah, yeah. there's lots of ways to yeah. pull that thing and yeah. now the garage door just lifts right up, just lifts right up. yeah um so yeah. i got a deadbolt your uh, garage door the yeah, interior the door. little thing yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. lots of things but i, I mean now I they're all connected to wi-fi anyway now probably not probably yeah. not secure anyway so i'm yeah. just gonna craftsman my thing yeah yeah right which yeah. is great. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Knows when yeah. I'm pulling up and just unlocks. I mean, this is the sirens call of it all though, right. is that like OT, operational technology, smart homes, IOT devices, like it's so convenient. It's so convenient. But like manufacturers stop at get it work getting it working. They right. they don't the security of it doesn't yet make them a market. Right. So that's why if I'm law enforcement, I think that's where I'd be attacking. Right. If I want to know what somebody's, you know, yep. and, and I, it's the same sort of thing. I get a t- warrant. Do it the old fashioned way. Right. Yeah. Get a warrant. And then you have all and then of just these backdoor a bunch disposal. of really insecure devices. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Right. Yeah. Game I over, agree. man. Game. I agree. <laughs> Game over, <the> man. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's interesting is like, 
it's it's like somebody thought about this early on, right? Like, didn't right. what was that thing that they shipped on routers that nobody uses? Uh, WPS or whatever, like yeah. the like encrypt, it was like, oh, we'll, we'll do all the configuration for you. Like we'll securely connect everything. All you have to do is push this button. Like yeah. that's died. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. people were like, no, nah, I don't want to add a button. Yeah. I just want to type in my password. Yeah. Just tell me what well, to do. Well, also yeah. like when I first saw it, the first, my first reaction was like, oh, this can't be secure. Like if, if they've made it this easy, yeah. it can't possibly be the, like I'll do it the old way. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I think there's like an imagination problem with this stuff too. It's like, you know, it's a psychology thing of like, you can't be afraid of the things that you can't imagine, right? And if, if you just don't understand security at a basic level, like you don't, you can't imagine, it's all magic to you. And so like, you don't have an intuition for like, oh Jesus, like somebody could totally do X, Y, Z to my home router if I don't, right? you know, do this thing. And so I think that lack of education and, and the ability to imagine the downsides is like why people don't emphasize security more in their Well, product. there's that, I think, um, I mean, we're a herd animal, right? So right. there's safety in numbers. Right. Um, right. Fact is, I don't right. actually have to have a super secure network at home. I just have to, one that's harder to crack than my neighbor. Sure. Um, to a certain extent. Sure. Although, but the nice thing about uh, computers is that you can attack them all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Suffer, maybe. Uh, slightly changed subject. I, I saw this interesting hack that, that took place on, uh, there's a couple of banking apps that are out there now. Um, I don't know, the new one, the hot one in Europe right now is called Revolut. Um, they've been around for a couple of years, um, but they're growing really fast and they're expanding to Asia and stuff. Uh, I was browsing the Reddit the other day and on this, one of Mike's throwaways. Yeah. And <laughs> I, this it's, it's crazy that this one guy basically had his Revolut account taken over and emptied and how they did it was they basically spoofed his cell phone right. and took his two factor code. And it was like, and I was like, holy shit, like this is like become commonplace, right? Cause like we saw that like Twitter guys, like uh, Jack Dorsey's Twitter account got hacked because right. like his two factor, and you're like, oh, well that's like a high profile target. Like, you know, like that seems like sure. he had some, like it was a like lot a lot of people that. could go yeah, to that, yeah, like, yeah. and it was yeah. like worth it. Yeah. But like, I was like interesting that like, they're basically bulk doing this to people's Revolut's account. As long as they know that phone number is a Revolut account, they also just go in, take it and Right. And it's I mean, that quick now. And it's like so low effort. Yep. And yet two factor text messages are still right. I a was, thing. That's it. So I got really frustrated. My bank got acquired. I had a different bank that, or I had a bank. They had a secure system that was using Google off, like instead of sure. uh, the text, text message messages, thing, because yeah. we several years ago, the warning went out that like, hey, by the way, people can spoof phone numbers. And this is this is really not a good multi-factor. Which is crazy because it's all in Hollywood. Like we see right. it all the time. People right. are like, oh, I cloned your SIM card. Well, that's and I have because your phone. Right. Like, Hollywood, right. it's like, oh, the, you know, like look at Jurassic Park. Oh, it's a Unix system. So, um, <laughs> so it's hard to know what's actually reality, right? Sure. But um, so my bank got acquired by another bank and they pushed me onto a different uh, platform. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to text me? my multi-factor yeah. so that like yeah so i'm now shopping i think for a new bank i honestly <laughs> don't know how long phone numbers are going to be around like with the combination of how annoying it is to have a phone number these days what does it matter spam? it's like it's it's it doesn't matter anymore right right and millennials like honestly at speaking for my generation like i really dislike when people like call me because it's like it's a, it's a synchronous it's an communication. Right. It's an intrusion. It's like I'm scheduling my day. Your time is more important than my time. That's what you're saying when you, you make a phone call, right? Yeah. Okay. 
But okay, I mean, saying like okay, phone numbers, yeah. okay. phone numbers are like more well, relevant can than. I just put, can I just say? Can, I mean, I'm Gen X, but okay, like I'll come boomer side. <laughs> like, oh my god! But like, it takes for fucking ever to have a communication I asynchronously mean, look, that look, could be a five minute conversation. I'm not right? being normative here. I'm just right. being descriptive. I'm I always just, text. I'm, I'm always saying. like, "Can you talk?" Right. Oh yeah, exactly. And then if yeah. you respond yes, then I'll call you. Right. Right. Like, right. right. Or like, right. hey, can you call? Like, hey, right. Right. We can have. We can have a. 45 minute text conversation or do you have time for a five minute conversation sure. that I totally get I'm, right I'm with you okay. yeah. I do it like, to you okay. all the time not being normative right. I do it to I do I do that to yeah yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just stating descriptively that this is how a lot of people no, I, my I age feel yeah, yeah. about no, phone I agree. calls yeah yeah no I would never call no, somebody but, out of the blue but right? it's except for my mom who's a boomer <laughs> except like for cell phones I'm Michael <laughs> for cell phones the numbers are irrelevant now because you immediately say you have an iPhone you immediately right. get in you log in with your iCloud right mm -hmm. and then iMessage is all based on your iCloud ID it has right. nothing to do with your right. phone number right and so like now you're doing this whole uh wait you guys use whatever <laughs> okay so say you use signal sure right or keybase why is right. signal I, signal uses your phone number which i don't to, i don't like to make it easy yeah to make it, to easy. Make it easy i, I get right, that but like yeah. Uh, yeah it's like it doesn't matter i should be able to log in with the username and password yep and use a second factor to verify that that's my diet like keybase right. it's right. like keybase, oh right. do you have one of your other devices cool scan a barcode that yep. you generate in your app right yep. great awesome and so it's like, why is there a phone number? Like, it seems like it's a more restrictive number than an IP4 address. Totally. And so, like, why are we like? Is it's because so many systems are built on. They're just a built phone on number, the phone numbers, right? yeah. But yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, I guess I we're agree. seeing it now with data only SIMs. Sure. You can get sure. data yeah, only ones that don't. They have no phone. It's just data only. Like, yeah. What do you I mean, need a phone number? I think we could totally move to like a key based model of the web of trust with your devices, mm -hmm. and like you know, you just carry those things with you through your life, and like it's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, recently, uh, I spent a bunch of time in Bali and so like phone thefts are pretty common there, uh, because people have their phones on them and they're all wealthier people as sure. opposed to the people that like are natively from Bali sure. and things like that. But like, it's, it's like, uh, when people are out drinking and partying, there's pickpockets going around just stealing phones. And uh, a lot of people ran into this problem is that was their only like Apple device. Ooh. And so now how do you get into iCloud? Right. Right. It's not your iCloud anymore. Yeah, right? Because Apple has a way for you to go around it where they have to verify your actual like identity identity, but that takes like 30 to 90 days, I think is what they now quote. Oh, really? Because because uh, they have to do a physical like verification yeah. of no, your I, stuff. I know I, I know this, but it only took three days for one of our developers who forgot his iCloud, like had no way, and it was only hooked up to an old laptop that no longer. Oh, huh. interesting. Right. I wonder if they've just started getting because yeah. so he right there was like some phone number and something and then they had to call him back and it was yeah it was so the whole like thing but it took yeah it took him three days to get back into his iCloud because the only like, the only device that was registered with was a, a laptop that we wiped and put back into inventory because he wanted a different one yeah right. and so it's like it's now think of it as um, I had a bunch of my laptop and iPad stolen out of an apartment uh, like two years ago. And so imagine if those were my only two Apple devices, right. like I, yeah. yeah, how can I verify? Yeah. I mean, right. luckily I had my, not luckily, but I had my phone on me. So now I still have that. And I think now they do the watch, but it's like, they're basically, it's like, how many devices can I own? Right. And so what's crazy is like Yubi keys aren't like a super common thing where right. everybody should just have a backup Yubi key Put locked in, in a safe, safe yeah. and been like, this is my, it's this my is my, ticket. yeah, this right. is my final thing I need to verify my yeah. identity. And yeah, I mean, I think we're always going to have some hybrid of like human and technological solutions for like identity management. We have to, because right. people aren't going to, yeah, they're not going to do the YubiKey thing. It's just like, I, 
Facebook used to have an interesting one. I don't know if you guys ever, like back in Facebook's heyday. I never I mean, used Facebook. Um, don't if you me. used to forget your password, um, I remember, but I, they, they couldn't do this now because people would throw a fit. Um, they would show you pictures of your friends and you had to correctly identify your friends. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Well, Which I was like, oh, that's genius. Like, I'll yeah. definitely be like, oh, no, that's Josh. That's my, like, and you just have to name them correct. It's kind of like when you do the credit check. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of car did you yeah, well, once own? And yeah, stuff no, like that. And it's like. get your information from social, social security or whatever. And yeah. you have to verify the stuff that, by the way, is like, it's not what you remember. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. it's impossible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially like as time goes on and it's like you've had more and more cars, like you've had more yeah. and more addresses. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so. um but yeah, I thought that was super interesting. And I think that would be like an interesting play. Nobody would, nobody would go for it because it's facial recognition, but let's be honest, Google and Apple and all of them are already doing it locally on your phone. I think right. that would be like an interesting iCloud recovery thing to be like, oh, like here's some of data that might be yours or might not be yours. Can you correctly identify sure. it? But why not? Yeah. Why, why do, I mean, I could see a different solution because the, one of the weaknesses there, right, is that anyone who kind of knows you, this is the problem with the stupid security questions. Yeah. Uh, aside from the fact that everybody's favorite color is blue and everybody drove a Toyota, um, Corolla. Um, but if someone knows you reasonably well, which is also going to be the same people who have access to your computer, they probably know your friends. They probably know enough information about you that there's a pretty good chance that they could get in. Right. But I'm saying like, this should be like down the road after like you've tried to do, th I oh, mean, no, no, I'm right. I'm not, yeah, doing yeah. It. I, but I think that there's an interesting idea there. And also the notion of like, well, we know Josh, no, Josh and Mike have already established a relationship. Josh has established a relationship with this thing. Is there some way for Josh to say, yeah, Mike lost his phone. Yeah. That's right. interesting. I was just going to say, like, you know, I feel like listing four or five people. Emergency contacts? Emergency contacts. Like emergency like, unlock contacts. Yeah. Right. Having them attest that and this person lost. One it. of them is the FBI. And one of them is, yeah. <laughs> That's the back door. That's the back door. Right. And we've solved all the problems. And it's, it's just like here. this guy named Ted. <laughs> it's just a guy named Ted in a bow tie smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Who was the MySpace guy? It was like. Tom. Tom. Yeah. It's just Tom. Tom. We all just trust Tom. Tom. Tom was everybody's friend. Tommy. Yeah. yeah, he could do no wrong. Tommy boy. Yeah. yeah. He had the whiteboard. And yeah, I don't know why the, the whole like friend trust, trust thing reminded me of that. I don't know why. There's probably some correlation, but like the, the payment system. Yeah. Where like people pay somebody they know and then that person like registers. Like it's how they're doing like microtransactions yep. in like developing yep. countries. Yep. It's yep. like, I know you, Mike, so I give you money. And do you know how this works? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, the old, I mean, so... There's a guy who won like a Nobel Prize for essentially the, the issue is um, in like very unbanked, like right. low wealth right. context. This is what Facebook is solving, right? With their whole money thing so that we can pay people. In, in I think Librecoin's yeah. absolutely interesting as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Right, super right. interesting. <laughs> um, the, whole, I, the whole economic thesis is like people that basically don't have any money or capital like um, – are very inefficient with their labor. And so like if you give a group of 20 people like sewing machines, they can have multiples of their output like just by a simple investment and that like the more capital you put on something, it becomes less and less of a like dimin a diminishing returns to your your money. Mm -hmm. So uh so the question is always like well why don't more investment dollars go into these like very low wealth areas and the answer is generally like risk, right? 
banks don't want to lend money to people that like don't have, you know, like formalized well, right. identities I, right. and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, micro, uh, what do they call it? Micro investment, micro investing, I think. The whole idea is that you can use a person's like network to attest to their like credit worthiness essentially. Mm. And that like you, I think some variants of it, like basically you have a group of people that kind of get together and they pool risk so that if one person doesn't pay the loan back, everyone in that group gets punished by like losing their access to capital. Mm. And like you rely on the social dynamics of that group to like force people to be credit worthy. Right. I don't know if that's related. That yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I can't remember the guy's name that he's won like a Nobel no, Prize. No, but that's, actually, yeah, um, that's, a very interesting thing because oh it's probably down in the weeds but like um if you look at um poverty in impoverished areas my wife has a master's in psychology she did some she, she, everything about to say might be wrong because <laughs> what, because stuff. i didn't no no because i didn't study it directly right so this is hearsay so you're an expert so i'm an expert absolutely no but the idea is that there's the one of the dynamics that happens in these is there's such a community because everybody has to rely on everybody yep which has its which is great right but at the same time it also is what kind of keeps people in an impoverished state because as soon as i get something it, there's a lot of social dynamic pressure on me to share it with everybody yep. um which makes it very difficult for me to get out rather than get out and then help people back but that so that same it's it's awesome that that same social dynamic of trust and reliance on each other is being used in a very positive way to help the entire right. community get out right um sort of at once right that's super fascinating yeah yeah i mean i think there's some interesting research into like totally not security related but um like yeah why people who grew up in a state where resources were scarce you know like mm -hmm. have a difficult time accumulating wealth because the mentality is there's like a hyperbolic discounting rate like you just everything when you have resources you consume them because that's what you how you kind of grew up right i mean they look at this i mean i remember studying the civil war and that was one of the biggest problems was that the um the officers could you know anybody who could afford boots could afford boots that would last more than a couple of days right and the people who could were constantly just throwing more and more look money at the dollar tree that, right right or payday lending or right. all these like very predatory things that like crop up around dollar tree is predatory I think so. Yeah. Like the market cap though. Yeah, I know. Right. It's insane. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if it's you like look at like a billion dollars or something, yeah, it's, like it's, it's wild, but yeah. like, if you look at the unit, I mean, just to G's point, if you look at the unit price of things that you're buying, it's like, yeah, like you buy shampoo for a dollar, but like compared to buying a bottle of shampoo, it's seven times as expensive by volume. Right. 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 Interesting. I, yeah, definitely very security related, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's funny how security, how, how security. we got there, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but did you say social security? Race, resource security. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. All right. C plus yeah. crash course book. Where can I buy it? You can buy it on Amazon. You I hear it's like it. the 17th. Uh, it's, uh, it's no big deal. It's like, you know, the 17th most popular, like C++ tutorial to come out. How's your book different? Uh, um, so there are a lot of really high quality C++ books out there. Um, I, when I was learning C++ as an experienced programmer, um, I had a really difficult time and I like bounced between conference talks and like exhausted colleagues and like blog posts and, um, had a difficult time piecing the whole language together as a whole. And so you decided just to hire somebody who knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been like the non pig headed way to do it. Um, uh, so I just ended up 
you know, slamming my head against the wall for three years until I figured it out. And, uh, in that process, you know, the way I like to learn things is like a brick by brick linear approach. You know, like I don't, I don't like in an, in an, a, a code example for there to be any magic. Like I want to know line by line what's going on. And it's really difficult, uh, to chart a course through C that presents the language in that way. I, I think I figured that out for, for modern C And so that's, uh, that's the shtick of the book. And if you like um, science fiction references and Easter eggs, uh, also maybe worth a read for that because writing is a lonely endeavor and uh, <laughs> uh, injecting some like levity into, you know, uh, tough passages. And this is your first book. This is the first and last Lots book. of papers, uh, <laughs> first book. <laughs> I predict another one. I don't I, know, man. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, it's like having kids. Like you I just was going to say, so at some, at some like, point, yeah, right, yeah, you're going to yeah, decide yeah, like, yeah, oh no, yeah. it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I might, I, I would consider, I mean, so C++, it's fascinating. People think of this as a super old language, which it is, but it's undergone a revolution since right. like 2011. So, um, it really, it's, it, this is going to sound crazy, but it looks more and more like Python. When you look at modern C++, um, there's this whole idea of, uh, they call it zero overhead abstractions. Basically like you as a programmer get to write in a higher level. Uh, but what the compilers are so good these days and the language is written in a way where the compilers can essentially reduce out all of that abstraction and you end up with code uh, at machine code mm -hmm. that's as efficient at, as possible. Like you, you right. couldn't have done it better by hand and most people shouldn't try to. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, there's been a revolution in the language and basically every three years, there's this like huge and vibrant community that like, um, improves the language and every three years they're releasing new ones. C plus plus 20 is going to be a huge deal. So it's coming out next year. Um, it adds all sorts of really incredibly useful features like a module system finally, because Ooh. it's the 21st century and <laughs> it turns out like dependency management is like an important thing. Yeah. Oh, my first, <laughs> I mean, like I'm old and 1996 doing C programming yep. for yep. CGI's for the internet, for the yep. web that was just, mm -hmm. you know, right. That one of our biggest problems was there's, there was no open source right. and the, and the, the whole dependency management and all that. It's I a think nightmare. That's, yeah. Well, it non-existent at yeah. least. Other languages, more modern languages that grew up in this world yep. have solutions to that. Yeah. It's awesome that C++ is. It is. Yeah. I mean, good. NPM probably takes it to the other extreme. Like, you've uh, got, like, you know, left pad and, like, you right. know. Uh, <laughs> is, is null. Is null. Exactly. <laughs> like, like that's probably too far. Right. Um, there's, there's a happy medium there. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, for sure, I think this helps to bring, you know, one of the, one of the bad parts of not having package management of which there are many, um, is, is that you sometimes think it's easier to just roll your own thing. You're just mm -hmm. like, I would rather not deal with like bringing this math library and I'll just like write this function myself. Right. Um, and that's no good. So I think having like good module systems is going to be incredible. There's a couple other really great language features. That how are, is it, um, how are they securing that module system? Yeah, it's interesting. So you have kind of two elements to it. One is like what happens at the compiler and linker level, mm -hmm. right? So like when you're building your program and linking it against objects, um, there's really no security at that layer, right? Like right. it's just your file system. And so if someone like has control of your file system, you're kind of screwed having anyway. other problems. <laughs> right. um, it's like somebody having your email account. Totally. Yeah. Which is why I like to, it's really important for developers to secure the computers, right? Like right. Uh, there's actually a really uh, interesting series of very critical vulnerabilities in Git, 
which are really fascinating. Um, this isn't one of them that came out last week, but uh, for example, on uh, Windows, it's not a case sensitive uh, file path system. Right. So uh, if you actually a while LSX back, isn't either, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. So so if you it's end up case preserving, case preserving. That's interesting. They switched it. It used to be case sensitive, oh, okay. and then they switched it to case preserving. And if you put it back into case sensitive mode, tons of things break. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, I mean, hugely important distinction. And uh, <laughs> and <laughs> as it turns Sorry. out, so yeah. so if you have like a, uh, it, they patched this, but it used to be that if you um, created a folder called .git in caps, right, and check that in to a repository that someone on Windows, when they pulled it down, like you could write things into the Git subfolder, yeah. like hooks. So basically you get remote code execution on somebody's like developer machine through Git, like really important to secure developer workstations. Right. Um, but for dependency management, this is like a really interesting, so so outside of the, the, the file system, you talk about remote repositories and um, uh, and these sorts of things, like, a lot of really interesting research around how do you secure DevSecOps? Like how do you secure the dependencies that you rely on, right? right. Like web security is great, you know, like defending against cross-site scripting and using cores and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but what it does, none of that matters if someone gets execution on your server because you pulled in Some is null and right. the developer decided to push, you know, a, an update. To <laughs> well, or the developer sort of abandoned it and somebody, or maybe Hijacks gave it to it. somebody. Yeah. And right now somebody else is in control of that library that you don't know. Yeah. And right. it's really hard to tell whether code's nefarious. There's this, um, I don't know if you've seen this contest. It's called Underhanded C. They haven't oh. run it in a few years. We'll have to put like a link in the description, but it's a fascinating, fascinating concept. So um, every year they'll have a prompt that you have to write like a function or a class or something that notionally does something. Right. It has some supported functionality. It's null. <laughs> it also has some other. Yeah. And it also has some other really interesting functionality that is completely not apparent right. when you just read the source code. Like it's got some sort of remotely triggerable condition or some sort of vulnerability that you introduce. And but you're so, having to hide it. But you hide it in plain right. sight. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of developers. That's scary, but awesome. Super there's scary, a lot of yeah. developers I've worked with that are really good at doing that just <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> unintentionally. Like this code is so elegant and it has all of these side effects. Like oh, you yeah. don't you can't figure out. I yeah. mean, like it's actually there's a there's a creative aspect to software engineering. I think that's one of the places oh, yes. where um right, really elegant code versus what we what we really want code to be can yeah. can sort of go off the rails. And uh yeah, I totally uh, there, there are some. There's definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's really interesting. Uh, I might have to uh, take a look. Yeah, at that underhanded C. They haven't run it in a couple of years, but <sighs> it's it's fascinating to read about yeah. how much time people spend on the <laughs> pretty frivolous contest. But um, yeah. yeah, they probably haven't run it in a couple of years because all the past winners got hired by a company. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I will just <laughs> because say everyone who knows C is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mike, not dead. Not, Mike. <laughs> right, right. not dead. That's so. So, uh, how large? How large is your company? Uh, so we are uh, just over ten now. Oh, awesome! We we raised a seed round in June. Um, Congratulations! Thank you very much. Uh, we've got some really interesting, um, really interesting stuff in the pipeline, and so we're hir- hiring like crazy for next year. Um, yeah, we've got. Uh, I mean, one of our pitches we have like people say full stack developer, like we're, we like program microcontrollers all the way through to like CSS. So, right. you know, pretty much like wherever you are on that, um, 
Yeah, to me, full stack is totally there's there's very few people who can really be full stack at this right. point. The right. stack is so it's insane. Deep, yeah, right? it really is. But definitely being able to do two or three parts of the stack. That's, totally. That's, at this point, that's what qualifies as full stack. I can do a front yep. end and I can do a little back end. Yep. I'm not full stack. Yep. But there's all the devs and cops. There's all the. Right? All that. So um, interesting. We like to hire T-shaped developers. Um, so these are, uh, you know, people that have one skill set that they're like really, really strong in. And mm-hmm. um you know, that can manifest in a lot of ways. If it's like open source involvement or they like have a blog about it or, you know, people that are really active in it. And then they have like a really good understanding of, of a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would take them some time to spin up on stuff, but like, you know, one of my pet peeves is when I see these job descriptions that have like, you know, seven years with Apache struts and whatever. I'm like, that's, that's stupid. Like, don't, you shouldn't be looking for people with like a specific framework, like hire smart people that get along with the culture of your company. Right. And you can, you can teach them because the right people are going to want to learn new stuff. Right. Or, and I, for me, it's also self-aware, right? Um, so when I'm interviewing people, uh, asking them, like when they say, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I can do, this is all the stuff I can do, but I really prefer working on the front end or I really prefer working on the back end. I, I you know, and, yeah. and that's what I always would say on my interviews, right? Like, hey, yeah, I can do front end code. If you're asking me to do front end code, you're probably asking the wrong person. You're not going to get what you want, sure. but I can, I can, I can do it. Um, because I have enough exposure to it, but I much prefer working on the back end. And I think that's the same sort of thing where totally. that's the type of people I look for as well, which is, you know, something really well, you have a breadth of knowledge about how yep. other things work. So even if you're not working in it, when you're working with those, those people, that's it. you can, you can work really well with those people and you're attacking a problem. And I think people like that are definitely strong candidates for like increased levels of managerial responsibility. Right. And that can mean a lot of things, right? Like, you know, individual contributors are super important. You right. have to have like. So it's funny because that's with the T-shape verse. So in yeah. my mind, I've always actually pictured it as a, almost a V, right? They have a big breadth of knowledge and it just, and it's like, and then it just gets more and more focused sure. as you go down. Sure. Whereas the T-shape, I feel like is the more individual contributor. They have some yeah, idea it's interesting. Yeah. At, uh, across the board, but yeah. then it sort of drops off very quickly into. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. A. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Sorry, I sort of yeah, totally. derailed you there for yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it makes a ton of sense. But you're I, saying- I think you're seeing this in a lot of companies is like a recognition that it's okay to be an individual contributor for your entire career and you mm-hmm. get paid just the same as like the managers and oh, yeah. you just kick ass at like what you do and you make things happen. Yeah, uh, one of the jobs I had a number of years ago, the first one where I got promoted into manager, well, uh, as soon as I, like real manager, um, and then I was privy to salary ranges and stuff. What was awesome to me was that um, as a senior engineer, they were when I moved into manager, they're like, oh, normally that comes with a pay cut because our senior engineers are paid at the director level. Yeah. Like that was their tiering, right? And that I've always I've always maintained the same sort of notion of like, yep. okay, you can be super tech. Like I want people to be able to stay in a super technical track. The 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 path to a higher salary should not be management. Exactly. It should be yeah. staying in whatever you want. So I have this notion of principal and director, yep. senior and manager. Yep. And like the same it. sort of tiering. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's and I think that's yeah, I do think that that's pretty common in a right. lot of areas, not right. necessarily across the board. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, maybe I've just become aware of it recently, but like, I, I love that 
model, I think it's fantastic. It's exactly unlike the military. Actually. <laughs> so. Maybe that's, and maybe that's yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote an article about this in war on the rocks, actually, like why the military is kind of like an impossible place for very technical people. And, and that's like the essence of it. I thought the essence of it was that the, well, whatever. <laughs> Among Wait, I feel like this is a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should save it for Maybe a different we'll time. Maybe we'll save it for another time. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I think, yes. Well, thanks for coming in, Josh. Bring your book. Thanks for it's having awesome. us. It's good seeing you again. Appreciate yeah, it's it. great seeing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great catching up. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 See ya. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.